Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight and site expert Stephen Kabitza. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. It is finally time for a Cleveland Browns regular season game. I'm Stephen Kabitza here with the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. With me, my reliable co-host, Andrew Seipt. Andrew, the last time we talked, on here at least, the Browns were 3-0 in the preseason. They're now 4-0, but I think everyone has moved past the preseason with all the craziness that's gone on in the past week. Yeah. The Browns making moves with the Pittsburgh Steelers is uh, a little interesting, especially with the release of Joe Hayden and then him subsequently signing with the Steelers. But I think the trade for Sammy Coates is something that's even a little weirder, given the fact that both these teams are squaring off against each other in week one. Yeah, it's the new yearly tradition of making a trade with the Steelers. Well, that's a lot of Browns fans (laughs) want to view the Pittsburgh Steelers as our most hated rival. But when you have to actually win games to make it a meaningful rivalry similar to Michigan versus Ohio State. But, again, the Browns need to win some games before we start calling it a rivalry with anybody. Yeah, so we had the Sammy Coates trade. We have Joe Hayden to the Steelers. We have Brock Osweiler cut and back with the Denver Broncos for cheap. Uh, And, of course, John Elway looks like a a genius, apparently, because he got Brock Osweiler back after not wanting to pay him. But the Browns will be the idiots, and the Denver, the Denver Broncos of the world will be celebrated for their moves, even though Brock Osweiler is not a good quarterback whatsoever. Yeah, you see a lot of, oh, great move by Elway, but it's like they brought him in to be the backup until Paxton Lynch is healthy. When the Browns brought the Browns are the most quarterback-needy franchise in the NFL, and they brought in Osweiler as a throw-in, and the national media was like, wow, this trade changed the game. No one talked about how good of an acquisition it was for the Browns to get a quarterback like Osweiler. Now that he's going back to Denver, it's almost like that franchise has been saved, or at least that's what the that's what the national picture is for that acquisition, and it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I'm happy to be done talking about Brock Osweiler in an official sense of writing about him because it was just such a week. I wrote about it. Um, last week it was just such an up and down weird like okay we have him but they haven't announced him now he's in camp he's probably gonna become the favorite (laughs) and then he did become the favorite and he played so bad that he just didn't even get a chance in week three of the preseason was just benched yeah on his way out and that I think that showcasing or the reason that he was the number one starter for those two weeks it had to have been for posturing they must have been trying to get something out of him because there's no way that even even in that scrimmage we saw throws from Kaiser that made us think that he was a better quarterback than Osweiler. So I, I have to I have to believe that they made Osweiler the starter for those two weeks just to see if he had any trade value. And continuing with the quarterbacks, once Osweiler was gone, it was Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, and Kevin Hogan. But the Browns went out and added a fourth quarterback. And as of us recording this Monday afternoon. They have four quarterbacks in their 53-man roster with the addition of Josh Woodrum, a second-year player who's been all around the NFL, he, a he's been, he's quote-unquote been all preseason the star. He's been all around the NFL, and he's only in his second year? Well, last year he was on five or six teams, but it was a situation where it was there for a week cut. Oh, oh. well, that's interesting. What do you think that means for Kevin Hogan or 
Cody Kessler. I think Kevin Hogan looked like the backup. I agree. But to be fair to Cody Kessler, that him going against the Bears, he was getting drilled. Yeah, Kevin Hogan had this, was going against the same talent. So, I mean, I, I just, again, I don't think Cody Kessler is that good of a quarterback. I think he will probably do exactly what you want him to do. I've seen a lot of people ask what the trade value is for Cody Kessler, but what what would you consider giving up for a guy that would probably just come in and not turn the ball over, but not necessarily even move the ball forward to begin with? I want to say he has no trade value, but we saw Cam Irvin get traded for a fifth round pick. So everyone in the end, we saw Justin Gilbert get traded for a sixth round pick that was sent back to the Steelers this year. I, I think he has trade value. I just don't think anyone's going to trade for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, if, if team was desperate enough in an ideal world for the Browns, but I don't think that is true right now. I just wonder. Because even a team like the Colts could use him. Yeah, I just wonder what the intention is. Because if you think that Woodrum is worth taking up a roster spot, then you obviously don't think one of Hogan slash Kessler spots are valuable. And which, how do you determine who's better, Cody Kessler or Kevin Hogan? Like, what, why even make that decision? Like, I, I just don't understand why they're housing four quarterbacks versus just let one go already. Like, what? What is I, – I don't understand it. Yeah, it's odd because the – I mean, it's clear that the Browns – I mean, they made f- five additions and subtractions after the final cuts um, and once players were waived. But adding another quarterback, it just doesn't – like, I really don't know to answer your yeah. question. Other why than you would add a fourth? Maybe they want to get Woodrum on their practice squad, but if he's there, another team could just take him off. Exactly. I, I think there's a couple days left to this whole saga, and we'll see how it shakes out. But I just wanted to get your thoughts so far on some of the additions or, or subtractions from the roster. Is there is there a specific transaction that stood out to you? I think, well, I'm going to have to go with my favorite player, Hollywood Higgins, getting cut. Same with Jordan Payton, who we kind of predicted a few weeks ago. I mean, he was never good with the Browns. He was just never on the one field. Year. I mean, yeah, even last year he was like at UCLA for most of training camp. He showed up and just didn't make an impression. And then this year he did a little bit. But, again, that it just shows you how much that whole year cost a player, like even a first-year player on a team that values keeping their own picks that they drafted so highly. I do like the fact that the Browns didn't get stubborn. Well, I guess Sasha Brown didn't get stubborn and keep – Higgins and Peyton just for the sake of it because he drafted them, which is a good move. Mm-hmm. But it is a little, I wouldn't say too worrisome, but it's not good when you have to cut two of your receivers you just drafted. And really, the Browns head into the season now with just three receivers who opened training camp with the team and Corey Coleman, Kenny Britt, and Ricardo Lewis. That's, that's not a lot of chemistry in that group. <laughs> They're, that's the thing. In another sport, maybe like baseball, these type of moves work because you bring a guy in, and if he just has the right personality, you're just playing baseball. Yeah. But Sammy Coates comes in, and they're like, all right, well, we have a rookie quarterback who's made one preseason start, and you guys have to work together this week. Yeah. And you're you're like our third our third threat here's on offense. This, here's this co- like NFL-level playbook that you're going to have to memorize all your routes for, and good luck on Sunday against your old defense. <laughs> they just hand him a – foot thick binder yeah like all right i was, I was gonna, gonna say an interesting addition to cut you off <laughs> is the addition going along with these cuts is the addition of case and williams 
I don't know too much about him. I, I saw Seattle Seahawks. I saw a few things. Obviously, some players reacting from Seattle that thought he should have stayed with the team. But do you know? Tell me a little bit about Case and Williams. Yeah, so I'm in the same boat because he didn't play a lot. He was more of a special teams guy. But a lot of the reaction, to be fair, though, this happens with every team. A, uh, you know, mid-level players cut. We've seen it with the Browns. Like, how could we let him go? And then he just goes on to get cut somewhere else. But he is another guy. This team is pulling the Al Davis method. They're just getting speedy receivers. He probably will play a lot of special teams, honestly. And there's nothing wrong with getting a special teamer who can play receiver, but was Jordan Leslie really that bad? I think uh, Kaysen Williams type guy is the he's going to fill the Mario Alford role. I would assume you know he's not going to kick returns are slowly getting phased out of the NFL in terms of the ability to keep the ball in play. I think it, Zane Gonzalez kicks it out of the end zone every time. The only kicker there that kicker that I've seen utilize that short kick to make them return it is New England, where they just boot it to the goal line and they can't take a knee. It's perfect. But kick returners are slowly getting phased out. So if that guy can't play receiver, you know, you're, you're almost taking up a roster spot for somebody or over a, a guy like Jordan Leslie who proved that he could be a team's wide receiving option. They must really value – I mean, they must have really had their eye on Case and Williams because Leslie – I mean, he didn't play great, but he played well enough to be the fifth receiver or just a leading, special teams gunner. I'm pretty sure he was the leading wide receiver throughout the preseason, and they cut him. Yeah, that's – that's the confusing thing because it's almost like, hey, well, we've seen him. We don't think he's that good, but we've seen this guy, and we think he's better. But even though Williams has never really had any regular season receiving experience. Yeah. But, I'm, I mean, I'm, I doubt this was just a random move. They had to have their eye on him, I hope. Yeah. But I think that's the most interesting because, I mean, you have your receiving core, and really, I mean, Sammy Coates is the main deep threat, and he had drop problems. But I did see that he was playing with broken fingers last year. So that's yeah, not always we'll helpful he's, for catching footballs. Yeah, he's had consistency issues. But going going back to some of the cuts, we looked at we saw goodbye to John Greco, Xavier Cooper, Jordan Payton, Jordan Leslie, Hollywood Higgins, like you mentioned. Cody Parkey, too. Cody Parkey, another one. Um, every draft pick that the Browns made this year was is on the roster, including, or I, I wouldn't say including, but on the pup list is Howard Wilson. So Browns are definitely keeping their own guys versus guys from previous regimes. I think that's very well known. Speaking of that, do you think Danny Shelton is at risk possibly to be moved in, in a trade just because he's kind of a 3-4 nose tackle that's not uh, the type of pass rushing defensive tackle that Greg Williams is used to? I don't think yet. I think he'd have to have a really bad first, you know, five, six weeks before the trade deadline. I mean, right now, he doesn't really fit the scheme, like you're saying, but he's still... Is that a fat joke? No. (laughs) Doesn't fit the scheme. But he he still has talent to where he's... And he's young enough, too, where it's like, hey, let's see what he has. And I think there has to come a point where you start keeping guys who are getting older and not just always going young. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just think that at cer- at a certain point, you know, if he's not an accurate scheme fit, you've got to make a, make a decision whether or not he could be a building piece moving forward. And he might be. He, he's been hurt this preseason. So I think that with the defense playing well and him not being in there, it's almost kind of cast a little doubt on whether or not he'll be a, a building piece of this defense. But he, he's only going to make the 
depth of the D-line much better in his return. So hopefully he continues to ascend versus descend. Yes, that would be the opposite. <laughs> uh, do you want to do you want to move into some week one talk? Because well, what are, we're I mean, probably going to get more cuts and changes throughout the week. Yeah, it's, that's true. Just I wanted to get your impression on the roster in its final stages versus you know the whirlwind that happened two or three days before. So like what based on like the they lost some cornerbacks, they added some wide receiver depth. You know where do you see this team now versus three or four days ago? I think it's a little better because we added – I think adding Sammy Coates, even though with his drop problems, he is better. He He's immediately the third best receiver on the team based on ability. I think they're a little better, but I don't think they made any big moves. I think cutting Tyrone Holmes was a bit odd. Um, he'd been playing well, played well last year. He tweeted, so th- too, that he was excited that he made the team and then got cut. So that's always awkward. It's brutal. But yeah, I, I don't think they got drastically better. But I think they added some pieces that have potential, which is kind of the goal. When you really look at this team, in the NFL, it's possible for any team to go worst to first. But I mean, this team's just looking to pick up more than one win. So yeah. I think they continue on that goal. But it's all it's going to come down that quarterback play. But that's a discussion for a whole hundred years. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still see a lot of quarterback or cornerback issues, defensive back issues. Not a lot of depth back there. I think they cut Channing Stribling and Najee Murray, too, who are two of the guys that were <laughs> moved up the depth chart once they released Joe Hayden. So I expect more changes to be coming in the defensive backfield unless they move a guy like Calvin Pryor or some sort of combination of safeties and corners that will get the job done offensive line depth too is i think an issue rod johnson going on the injured reserve john greco being cut you know i i think that having a healthy offensive line is important but you've got to be able to have depth back there and the cutting of john greco really surprises me because he can fill right in at guard for joel batonio who's injury prone i hopefully it doesn't come into play this year but offensive line is an issue that needs to be addressed at least in the backups as well and their active roster as of right now. Here, I'll read you the reserve, injured reserve. It's Chris Barker, offensive lineman, Tank Carter, Darius Jackson, Matt McCants. Nothing inspiring. But that's their injury. I'm just saying, so that even adds to their offensive line problems. And Joel Cade, our offensive line specialist, wrote an article on that. How They have three centers right now. And really, you're expecting Spencer Drango to come in as the backup guard. Yeah, I, I think, off, like I said, offensive line depth is going to be an issue. So hopefully the starters can stay healthy. Uh, and going against this Pittsburgh front line next week, although they don't have the outside linebackers that they used to have to get that, that real pass rush that Pittsburgh has been known for in recent years, they've still got a pretty formidable defensive front in Cam Hayward that, that likes to tear up offensive linemen. And I think the offensive line play, you know, at, at the – beginning of the year it was browns have on paper you know first or second best line but we saw them struggle in the preseason we didn't really get to see everyone play together as a group like the normal starters but it wasn't too inspiring of play so this week one game against the steelers is going to be an amazing test because we're going up against we i wish i was on the team the browns are going up against a pretty much a playoff team with a line that hasn't really played all together with Deshaun Kaiser yet. Yeah, it's going to be a good test. I'm really interested to see how the Browns receivers match up against 
Joe Hayden and the the revamped Pittsburgh secondary. I'm also interested to see how this defense looks because we've been touting it so far this preseason, and there's nothing, uh, no test better than the killer bees of of Pittsburgh that can tear apart the best of any defense. So it'll be a good test to see where where they're at versus where we thought they were. An interesting storyline, just a kind of a quick one, because it may not be that big of a deal. But the fact that Le'Veon Bell just signed his his one year tender. And everyone knows how great he can be, but I'm wondering if that's going to have any lingering effects heading into the game. Because, I mean, those guys, when they're not at camp, they're in better shape than me or you will ever be combined. But you just show up a week before the game. Is that going to, you think that'll have any effect on their offense? Because they've been essentially in practice. I'm sure James Conner's been getting a lot of reps. Yeah, I think Le'Veon Bell's been there long enough, though, with the same offensive coordinator that I don't think the playbook is going to be an issue. Conditioning might be an issue because you you can never replicate game speed. You know, you can be in the best shape of your life, but when you step out on the football or basketball court, it's always a different kind of feeling, you know, than just training in a gym or something. Here's my hope. They throw a screen and Miles Garrett sees it from a mile away and just blows him up. You know that that's something that would be good. I have him in one of my money leagues for fantasy, so I'm not going to lean. I hope he has a modest game to above average, and the Browns still. You hope win. he has three that? touchdowns, but the Browns win twenty eight twenty one. Exactly, exactly. Um, no, I, I think he. I don't think he'll have too much of an impact in or a negative impact to the team. Obviously, with his skill set, he's pretty versatile. So. If the Browns can somehow contain him, you know, I think he's going to get 100 all-purpose yards either way, but it's it's how he gets those yards that will dictate whether this team continues to bend but not break, to coin a term that you so often use. Well, it's true. I mean, four, four field goals as opposed to four touchdowns, it's kind of like what defenses have done to the Browns the past 20 years. Yeah, Martavis Bryant's all cleared now, too, so you wonder about the chemistry he'll have with Ben Roethlisberger. But it's a pretty good statistic when he's on the field with Ben Roethlisberger, uh, his quarterback numbers tend to elevate quite a bit. So it's it'll be a good test for the secondary, you know, without Joe Hayden to be able to cover these guys, and I'm not sure that they'll be up for the challenge, but they've proved me wrong before. I think the which you've already touched on and you just said the kind of the biggest storyline in this game in general, at least from a Browns perspective, is gonna be Joe Hayden going up against the Browns receivers, maybe Sammy Coates will burn them for a touchdown and people who don't really pay attention to the, to the teams except on Sundays are going to be horribly confused. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, Joe Hayden's good, but at some point you've got to put match the talent with the contract. And although the Browns have the cap space to do it, is he worth taking up a roster spot and playing time from a guy like Brian body Calhoun that is, ascending or on the on the upswing of his career versus someone like Joe Hayden who's had his groin injuries he's had his his below the waist injuries that does nothing but reduce your athleticism you know you're never going to be back to 100% healthy so I think the Browns made a good decision in cutting Hayden and I hate the fact that he signed with Pittsburgh so fingers crossed for week one that Corey Coleman takes him deep yeah we're I mean I think a lot of Browns fans at least rational ones understand the decision to sign with pittsburgh because they called them right away and they're like they're probably going to give them the most money of, of anyone yeah but it, it does stink <laughs> yeah it's it's no fun but I, his deal is pretty much a one-year deal with options for the next two years so 
I mean, the deal Pittsburgh signed him to is probably a deal that the Browns would like to have had him on. Mm-hmm. But that's I mean, still a lot have, of money, though. For oh, I mean, yeah. hopefully, if they get their money's worth, you know, that's fine because he's he's as good a corner as they you can get at this time of year. But hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite us, especially in Week One. I want to transition a little bit into our impact players to watch on both sides of the ball. So we touched on Le'Veon Bell. We touched on Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, you know. But on the Brown side of the football, who is your impact player to watch in week one versus Steelers? Well, I have two. I'll say my one who I think will be an impact. And can I also share my sleeper now? Yes, you can. I was going to say that we could save that for fantasy, the fantasy section, but... I well, this we is less of a fantasy and more of just in general. So okay. Shoot. my my player to watch out for in a good way is Isaiah Crowell because I'm drinking Hugh Jackson's Kool-Aid. I believe that they're going to run the ball more. And I also think they're going to do that because they have a rookie quarterback. So I think Crowell is going to get – I'm going to go out and say he's going to get at least 20 carries, which was a rare thing last year. Yeah, I'm, I think in my And case. I think with Kaiser's speed and athleticism too – it's gonna because ha- last year it was a broken Robert Griffin and then Josh McCown and then a Cody Kessler, but they actually have like a real athlete at quarterback this year. Yeah. So I think that adds a whole new dynamic. You could really work the play action and really fool the defense. I mean, as much as the Browns are gonna fool the Steelers. Plus, you well, you control the clock a little bit more. So that's one of my keys in this game. We'll get to it. I'll touch more on it later. But when you're able to control the clock a little bit, especially on a team like the Steelers that is so high powered that can score at any moment. You know, you're really kind of putting them on their heels because if you go down 14 play, like eight, nine minute drive, you know, that's taking out a huge chunk of plays that they might be accustomed to utilizing during a game. So hopefully that's something that Hugh Jackson, he's touted it the whole preseason that he's going to run the ball more. So I hope you're right in the fact that they will run more. My impact player is Miles Garrett. I'm actually going to audible last minute. I I was going to go with the obvious of Deshaun Kaiser because it is kind of. I mean, he is the number one impact player of how this game's going to go. But that's almost too obvious because he's, yeah, <laughs> he's the unspoken be, he gets, obvious choice. He gets the ball on every play, so we're going to judge him no matter who, whether he's an impact player or not. But Miles Garrett is for sure the guy that I want to watch every week. I, I like to watch Miles Garrett, and I'm interested to see how if he can follow up on his promise to t- to sack Ben Roethlisberger, hopefully more than just once, you know, in Week One because that's going to be a key to victory. So. My impact players from Miles Garrett for the Browns. Yeah, I'm going to save my sleeper for the fantasy section. I decided. Okay, who's your impact player for the Steelers then, or like your one guy that you're watching? You know how how the game, how we might impact the game, and what the Browns can do to defend him. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stick. Oh, it's tough because I, I there's the obvious ones of Bell and Brown. It doesn't even have ben. to be like impact player. Just like who are you watching on Sunday on the Steelers? I don't want to steal yours. I don't care. I'll figure one out. I'll switch to a different one. I'm going to say Martavis Bryant. Wow. I hope he I because, got him on my fantasy team, too. <laughs> because they got rid of Coates, and Bryant said when they drafted Juju Smith-Schuster, or is it Schuster-Smith? Did I mess that up? I think it's Smith-Schuster. Either way. Didn't Bryant tweet that that's Sammy Coates' replacement? Yeah. And they like they went after each other because like <laughs> Bryant was pissed that they drafted a, a high re- receiver in the second round, and that's funny. So hopefully Bryant takes so it think, as a chip on I his think shoulder. Getting rid of Coates it kind of elevates Bryant's status, and since he just did come back, I think it's more so than an impact player. But 
really seeing, like you said earlier, how he gels with Big Ben. Yeah. Mine is mine's Le'Veon Bell. Like I said earlier, you know, I he's such a versatile weapon that he can do so much, and the Browns have had just a terrible run defense for the last 10 years. So if the Browns can stop him on the ground early and force Big Ben to have to put the ball in the air more, which might feed into the favor of Pittsburgh, it also gives the defense and Miles Garrett more opportunity to sack them. So I'm interested to see how Le'Veon Bell comes back missing enti- missing all of training camp and seeing how he gels with the offense or if it's just business as usual and they'll, he'll roll for 200 yards. Yeah, I think regardless, even though I have the kind of the thought process that Bell might struggle, he, he's not. He's no, not going to struggle too much. No. Uh, breaking that down even a little bit further, you know, I have some keys to victory here based on some of the weaknesses I've seen on this Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not an invincible team. They they have had some offensive line issues in the last couple of years, as well as their obvious secondary issues. With the signing of Joe Hayden, it makes him a little bit more solid, but again, the proof will be in the pudding whether Joe Hayden can keep up with our receivers. They also have a pretty inconsistent pass rush. You know, they have a good front seven, but I think they lack a little bit in their outside linebackers. So you have a guy like Bud Dupree from Kentucky that is you're almost expecting him to make that jump. And I think Pittsburgh fans especially are wanting him to make that jump. So if, if the Browns are able to defend against an inconsistent pass rush and keep Kaiser upright, I think it just opens a whole bunch of doors for the offense to utilize from play action and those deep out routes that he's so good at throwing that I think the Browns might have an opportunity to move the ball in pretty chunk plays, pretty big chunk plays. That's kind of one of my keys too is really establish any sort of downfield threat. Not, I mean, not even contingent upon how the Steelers' secondary plays, just opening up the playbook a bit because the worst scenario, which we've seen countless times, is they come out on offense, crowd's excited, and it's just like two short passes in a run. And you're just wondering, like, what, like, just, like why are we not letting Kaiser just be like a regular quarterback well it's just the three and outs are so killer they're I think even in the first drive of the game last year I mean Car- the Eagles got the ball Carson Wentz had like an eight play drive looked great and they scored a touchdown and then the Browns went three and out right away it was like like it's so depressing when that happens every week and every drive you know you're the eternal optimist or insane person as most people call it of being a Browns fan where every single drive you get the ball back and you're like all right here's our Here's the time we're going to do it, you know, and it just never happens. So hopefully this year with Deshaun Kaiser and a, and a good offensive line and fingers crossed established run game, you know, it's, it's going to open up a lot of different plays for the Browns to move the ball. And I think that's definitely a key to victory as well. And the good news is they're pretty familiar with this Joe Hayden guy, so they might choose to attack him all game. I hope he gets picked on for like, and pro football focus rates him as like the worst corner for week one or something. I don't know. I can't stand pro football focus. But speaking of defense, you know, the defense that Joe Hayden was coming from, one of my keys is continue to bend but not break, especially against this team as high power and offense as Pittsburgh has. You know, you've got to be able to mitigate those risks. And with the chunk plays they've given up so far in the preseason, you wonder if that's something that might cost them in a game like this where they have receivers who can – make chunk plays in the blink of an eye so this defense hopefully will 
make some plays that prevent them from scoring touchdown and maybe limit them to just field goals that keep the Browns in the game come the third and fourth quarter. The I love these keys, but really it just comes down to, honestly, like just so many basics. Uh, like the true keys would just be <laughs> not go three and out and yeah. not get destroyed on defense. But obviously there has to be a little more in-depth because it's week one and there's a little more optimism around this team. Yeah, but so let's say Deshaun Kaiser throws a pick. Like he did it even last game. You know, the defense came on the field and they held him to a punt and they were in field goal position when they got the ball. So plays like that, you know, they could – the Browns could pin the Steelers inside their five-yard line, and the Steelers could get a bunch of chunk plays, move it to the Browns' 40. But, you know, if they make the stop there, that's good. That's what you want. And so I think it's <clears throat> it's important for the Browns to be able to, to utilize their special teams and put Pittsburgh in a situation where they've got a long field to go versus turning the ball over or getting stuck in their own end zone and forcing Pittsburgh or giving Pittsburgh good field position all game long. Do you want to talk some little fantasy football now? Yeah, let's do it. Does mean you happen to be in a dynasty league together? Yeah, I got uh, Kareem Hunt, Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Cup, and who's the last guy? Taewon Taylor in the, the rookie slash free agent draft, so I was pretty happy about that. Who'd you take? I may or may not have drafted Matthew Days. Oh, no, I didn't draft Matthew Days, not in this league. No, I think Jeff Different league. I, I got Mitch and Matthew Days stolen from me. Kaiser Kaiser was the first quarterback off the board. I thought that was weird. Well, that's because we're all from Cleveland. That's true. For anyone listening, it's a dynasty draft. We didn't just take Mitch Trubisky and Deshaun Kaiser in, in normal fantasy drafts. This is a, a dynasty league that's in its third year. So anyone that's confused. Yeah, rookie draft. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that's like, yeah, I took a Kaiser, Days, and Njoku <laughs> first three <laughs> rounds. Yeah, in terms of fantasy football, I mean, we've got the obvious on the Browns side. Isaiah Crowell, Duke Johnson, Corey Coleman, Cor- Kenny Britt. I'll kind of couple those two together because there's really there's no number one target. You know, I think it's whoever can gain the most separation that day is going to have the best day. So my predictions for Crowell, I think 19 carries around 110, 111 yards and a touchdown is what I'll expect from Crowell. I'm really banking on the fact that he is going to establish a running game. So that's those are my predictions for Crowell, even if he gets – you know, I think he's he's a minimum should be 18 carries for Crowell. I think I minimum. hope I, I hope so, too. You know, that that's the only way to do it. Throw in Duke Johnson a few times. I think he'll be more of a receiving threat than a running threat. So I've got him at <clears throat> about eight or seven or eight catches, 60 some yards, swing passes, screen passes, those kind of things. Kenny Britt, Corey Coleman, I have about six receptions, 60 to 80 yards. I don't think there's going to be a huge play offensively from the Browns from either of those two. I think it's going to be a lot of Crowell on Sunday. I'm going to ride with Corey Coleman. I'm going to say he's going to have a big game. Eight catches and a touchdown. Like eight when he's catches healthy, he's pretty good. Yards or like eight catches. <laughs> eight catches. <laughs> 75 yards because he's gonna he him and duke johnson are both gonna have a lot of short receptions i feel like especially duke like you mentioned but i mean Corey coleman hooked up with kaiser a few times this preseason looked pretty pretty good pretty pretty (laughs) pretty good yeah i i mean he could go off if there's one wide receiver that the browns have you know i think he could he's the number one he has the potential to go off so I think someone had mentioned that there was a light bulb that just went off for him and, and he's understanding the position a lot better. So maybe that's a sign of good things to come on the other side of the ball. I mean, again, it's the killer bees, 
Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant, Ben Roethlisberger. You can roll with any of these guys in fantasy, and you're going to be fine. I think <laughs> with the Browns, it's a little bit more of your flex picks. I would I would consider Crow, Crowell, you know, a running back two, possibly even quarter or running back one, depending on how your league is set up or what you drafted around him. Uh, Antonio Brown, obvious wide receiver one. Le'Veon Bell, obvious running back number one. Martavis Bryant is the the boomer bust pick for me. I think he could have a day where you know he seems out of sync with Roethlisberger and doesn't he sees like two or three targets, not even any catches, you know, or else or they could pick up right where they left off and he could have five catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. So I think he's a huge wild card for how the Browns will be able to defend Pittsburgh this week, at least in terms of a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with what you said about. I mean, there are three offensive studs on on the Steelers. I do think James Conner could be a name to look at if they get down in the red zone and they want to have him just bowl through the line. But I do think Le'Veon Bell's too good, really, to ever have off the field. So, obviously, you wouldn't start Conner as your running back one or two, but I do think he's a player to keep an eye on, almost in general, for the team. Bell has his injury problems. And but I mean when he's on the field, like they're not going to take him off, mm-hmm. <laughs> like on second down. Yeah, he's one of the better running backs we've seen in a long time. I agree. Who's your sleeper for fantasy wise this week for this for this game? For the Browns? For any, for either team doesn't matter. Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates. Sammy Did I steal Coates. yours? No, you're okay. I think I, going back to my thoughts on Martavis Bryant, you know whether he's in sync with Roethlisberger or not. I think Juju Smith Schuster as a as a wide receiver three is. I don't think he's a sneaky play or a, a viable play by any stretch. I think he's more of that guy just to keep your eye on, you know, as the season moves forward. How does he look with Ben Roethlisberger, with Martavis Bryant in there? Because Martavis is coming up in a contract year. So is Juju Smith-Schuster the one that could take over the reins as the number two, or is he still taking a backseat to Martavis Bryant and obviously Antonio Brown? So he's my sleeper. And moving on to a little bit of our specialty, game predictions. Game predictions. With a reminder, I will repost this this week. We do have our Dog Pound Daily Pick'em League. Um, We will repost it um, leading up before Thursday's NFL opener between the Patriots and the Chiefs. But we'll start with a prediction, a lock. I'm going to go with, I think, the easiest lock of the week which I say now is the Falcons over the bears in Chicago. Yeah. I think the, I do think the bears are the worst team in the league until Mitch gets in there. Then the, you know, then they're really going to take off, but I think the Falcons coming off the super bowl, I know they lost, but they're st- they still won the NFC and should have won the super bowl. They're going against a really bad bears team. I think they're going to roll right over him. I agree. Nah, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's move on to the, <laughs> I, I'm using the same one. You know, there's, Ooh, there's really no upset. Yeah, upset. My upset. Go ahead. Is the Chargers over the Broncos on late night Monday Night Football? That's bold. I may not be awake for that one. By the time that game starts, I might be in bed. That's all. It does start at ten twenty. That is pretty late. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna go with Tennessee over Oakland. At least according to the CBS Pick'em Pool, I think seventy three percent of the the population favored Oakland in this matchup. Tennessee's at home. I think Oakland is a good team, but I believe in Marcus Mariota, and I think they're going to take it the the game in Week One versus upcoming ma- or upcoming contender versus upcoming contender. I think Tennessee wins it. 
Now the fun one. Predicting the Browns and the Steelers. Do you want me to Obviously, go first? Obviously, we're rooting for the Browns. That let's, goes without saying. Let's, let's, let's preface or put a disclaimer out and say that, that we are still a Browns podcast, right? Do we have to? I s- do think I'm going to predict because I do these leagues for money. One, one pick and league I do for money. I'm going to have to go with the Steelers. But I think most people are going with the Steelers. <clears throat> so it wouldn't have too much of an effect <laughs> if the Browns won. Yeah. But I do think that let's. Uh, I hate score predictions because it bums me out. Like 35. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say 24-17 Steelers. I God. think it'll be a game. <laughs> I think they'll. I think they'll beat the spread. We did not discuss what our game predictions were before we started that recording your score? this, and that was exactly what my score was. Uh, I, I had Pittsburgh winning by a little bit more. But I think the Browns defense will be able to, to hold some things to a minimum. So I think the final is going to be 31-24 now. I, oh, I, so you just added seven. I just Yeah, I just added seven. Sides. I think it's going to be a seven-point victory for the Steelers. I do think the Browns will score in garbage time. to make Like, they'll be down by 14 or so in the fourth quarter and then, like, get a, a hurry-up or garbage time touchdown to, to cut it, make it look closer than it actually was. But I expect a, a halfway decent game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just steal all my points. Yeah, exactly. But I think that pretty much wraps wraps it up from my end. You know, we've got our pick and pool going on. What else do we have going on on the site? But lots of things. It's it's the <laughs> final. I mean, it's it's always tough to write during the off season. But now that the season's here, it's like once the first game hits, really easy to jump on the storylines and. Which, speaking of storylines, if you'd like to add your one interesting one from around the NFL before we oh. sign off. Uh, mine is that Zeke would be blocking his potential suspension. And I, I think there should be a ruling coming down relatively soon. But I actually got Zeke in like the second round of one of my fantasy drafts. So I drafted him. And I have Le'Veon Bell and Zeke. So my interesting storyline is that maybe he'll end up playing week one when he's initially suspended for six games. Mine is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. Because Andrew Luck's not playing week one, and they got, you know, the great Scott Tolzien. But really, how how long is Andrew Luck going to be out? Because he hasn't practiced since December. Yeah, he's a quarter, he's my backup quarterback right now and a starter in my other league. So I really hope he comes back soon because he's a good quarterback when he's healthy. But so far has been the narrative in his career is that he has not been that healthy. Those storylines definitely something to keep an eye on. But that's really it for us. We will be back next week after a Browns victory. Fingers crossed. I'm so excited. I remember last year I had my Braylon Edwards jersey on, and I was like, all right, week one. (laughs) And then RG3 just came out and laid an egg. I was like, is this really happening? I'll be rocking my Phil Taylor jersey and my sweatpants and my NFL Sunday ticket. So with my fan, all three of my tablets open or whatever to track all my fantasy football teams. So I miss Sundays. Football Sundays are the best. It's going to be wild. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. Hopefully you have, but you're hearing this on iTunes. Um, be sure to check out the site for a post to our Pick'em League. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>